Well, for those of you that don't know me, my name is Caleb, and I'm one of the elders here at City Church. It's a privilege to serve you guys as an elder and to bring the word this morning. Uh, I was informed uh, earlier this morning that I don't look enough like an elder. I should look more like Gandalf from Lord of the Rings. So I apologize. Uh, I'm going to get a pointy hat for next time and maybe a big staff or something. I can't reach the the levels of the beard, though. Mine's not gray enough, and it's just not going to happen yet. Uh, however, Jim McLean, he's, he's got a nice, nice beard. He's got some gray in there. He's, he's closer to Gandalf than I am. So, so look forward to, to your Gandalf uh, preaching next time Jim McLean brings the word and look forward to it. All right. Well, this, this gibberish up on the screen here is actually not gibberish. Uh, this is uh, actually Irish. Um, I am of Irish descent. Uh, so St. Patrick's Day this last week, something very cool for me. Um, I, I, maybe I'm a little weird, I don't believe St. Patrick is the patron saint of alcohol. Um, I, he's the patron saint of Ireland. So a slight difference, um, green beer actually has nothing to do with St. Patrick. I don't know if you guys knew that. Uh, this, however, is an Irish greeting. This is a traditional Irish greeting. I'm going to try not to butcher it. Uh, it's diagwich, diagwich, and it actually means uh, may God be with you. So I thought that was really cool. Just, you know, may God be with you. And so if any of you can figure out how to say, and also with you back to, I, back to me in Irish, that would be super cool. Uh, that's your challenge by the end of service, but you're also are supposed to pay attention. All right, so I did want to talk about St. Patrick for just a moment because I do feel like, like our society has kind of co-opted who St. Patrick is, and he was a really good and godly man. And so I just wanted to take a moment to acknowledge uh, why we celebrate St. Patrick. And it's, it's not so that people can get wasted, right? Unfortunately, that's what it's turned into. But St. Patrick actually brought the gospel to Ireland. He was the first missionary to Ireland. You may not know, he was actually a slave. He was called to minister to the people who enslaved him when he was 16 years old. He was kidnapped from his home, taken into slavery, uh, forced to be a shepherd uh, as a slave. And then six years after that, God told him, your ship's coming in, it's time to go home. And he actually, he walked 200 miles across Ireland, just based on the voice of God alone, found this ship, managed to get passage, and on the way, uh, this was when there were all kinds of barbarians that were raiding, and they didn't even get back to where they were going. God did miracles on the way home. Finally, he gets home. His family's like, yes, you're back. And then he says, oh, wait, God's calling me back. And it's just, it's such a powerful story uh, that God would call him back to minister to the people who enslaved him. I would encourage you, learn more about the real St. Patrick, not the one that uh, is associated with the green beer, right? Uh, because it's, it's so, so powerful. Uh, speaking of St. Patrick, on St. Patrick's Day, baby Fitzgerald was born. I know Carmen mentioned this earlier. Uh, I'm very excited for Matthew and Meredith. Matthew and Meredith, if you guys are watching online right now, congratulations. We love you guys. Uh, it's so special to, to bring a new baby into this world. So congratulations to you and to Evelyn as a big sister. Um, I think there's something really special about being a daddy. I have two kids myself, Josiah and Keturah, and uh, they are just so amazing. And she heard her name, and now she stopped fussing. Hi, baby girl. Uh, Josiah and Keturah are so amazing. My wife is so amazing, and uh, she's such an amazing mother. And for me, there's something really special about being a daddy. And uh, I think being a daddy takes a lot of prayer. Uh, I don't know if any other fathers in the room feel that way, but uh, I definitely think being a daddy takes a lot of prayer. Uh, and uh, my prayer for, for myself has been that God would make me the daddy that my children need. 
Uh, that's really, really important to me, that I, I would not just be what, what I consider a good dad, but that God would make me the daddy that my children need. And so I believe that God does speak through prayer. I believe that that's, that's uh, something that he put in my heart. And as I was praying for, for this Sunday specifically, uh, I believe that he put into to my heart the word Abba, which actually means daddy. Uh, so I want to dive more today into what it means to have an Abba father. Uh, and I hope that you guys are excited. Um, I want to take a moment just to, to pray for all of us here, uh, invite God's holy presence in. I know he's already here, but we'll just do it again. Lord Jesus, thank you so much uh, for the opportunity to be here this morning. Thank you that you love us. Thank you for your word this morning. Uh, thank you, Father God, that you are a good father. You're a good daddy. Help us to learn more about your heart for us as your children today. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Uh, so, Abba, for those of you that like to take notes, this is what you can put at the top of your page as the title of my sermon is Abba. Uh, Abba is actually an Aramaic word. What you see here is it written in Greek, though. Uh, and uh, as I said, it means father. It's a customary title used of God in prayer. What's really interesting, though, is that whenever it occurs in the New Testament, it has the Greek interpretation joined to it. So every time you see Abba, it looks something like this, Abba, Father. It's never used just by itself. It has to have that father added onto it, which I thought was really interesting. And I believe it says that there's something special about the word Abba. Uh, it's only used uh, three times in the entirety of the New Testament, and uh, it's always paired with the word father, the Greek word for father. Uh, so I believe that it makes it something special. It, I believe it's an intimate uh, name for our Heavenly Father, like Daddy. Um, and I don't know for you other fathers out there, it, it just melts my heart to hear my little ones call me Daddy or Dada. They're 16 months old, so it's, it's either Daddy or Dada. The other night, I was putting Keturah to sleep, and uh, she was in my arms, and I was going to put her in her bed, and she started to stir as I started to lay her down, and she said, Dada? And I, I just melted. I thought, okay, I can't put you down now. And she snuggled back in and just melted me. It's something special to be a daddy. And uh, we have a daddy who is our heavenly father. That Abba is the kind of daddy that I want to be. Now, this is not just a message for those who are fathers. Um, though, if you are a father, I'd encourage you, take a look at who your heavenly father is and let that inform how you father. Uh, but if you are not a dad, if you say, what if I'm not a dad? Well, first let me address the men in the room. Not every man in the room is a father. Uh, I, I sat through Father's Day sermons for over 10 years as a married man before I actually had children. And it's like, okay, I, I kind of want to check out, right? This is not a Father's Day sermon, by the way. Uh, it's a little too early for that. I do know we just had St. Patrick's Day. Um, but uh, if you say, uh, what if I'm not a dad? Men, you want to know the kind of father you want to be. Or for those that, that may not have children, know the kind of man that, that you want to be as you help to father others. Because whether or not you ever are a father, you can be a person of influence in a child's life. I know that I want people in my child's life who they can turn to when they've decided mom and dad don't know what they're talking about. And I want them to be good and godly people. So, so men, know the kind of father you want to be or how you would help father a child. For women, know the kind of man that you are praying for. And even if you're already married, why don't you pray for your husband, for him to be that Abba father, that, that daddy, if he's not already. So either praying for the husband who is to come or praying for the husband you currently have, that he would be the kind of Abba daddy that, that we see in Scripture. Uh, it's, it's something uh, of an encouragement and a challenge. And then for all of us, 
uh, that we would know our Abba better. better. Um, I think that knowing who our daddy God is makes a huge difference in how we approach life. Uh, so I want to dig into these, these different ways that Abba is used throughout Scripture. As I, I said, it's only used three times. And uh, I'm going to just go chronologically through them in the New Testament. First uh, is when Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. And so this is the night before he's crucified and he's praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. And uh, in Mark 14, 36, he says, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. So this is a, a moment where Jesus is, is very, very concerned, right? He, he knows what is coming. And this shows the humanity of Jesus. He knows that he is about to die a terrible, gruesome death. And he says, Daddy, if you can take this away from me, but not what I will, what you will. It, sp- it says a lot, I believe, about Jesus' relationship that in his moment of greatest need, he cries out to his daddy. Uh, it's also used in Paul's letter to the church in Rome, in Romans 8.15. Uh, Romans 8.15 says, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of, sons, of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. So just encouraging the church in Rome that you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, that we, so not only Jesus, as we saw in the previous passage, but we can cry out, Abba, Father. We also see it in Galatians 4, which is where I'm going to spend uh, the bulk of our time today. Uh, and Pastor Jim actually just wrapped up a fantastic series on Galatians. Um, I'm, I'm taking a slightly different perspective on the Abba portion specifically. He did comment on it, but he was teaching through Galatians within the context of the entire book. I'd highly encourage you to go back and uh, listen to Pastor Jim's series on Galatians. It was fantastic, and I believe uh, that it can, can change your walk with God. Uh, so in Galatians 4, um, just for some context, uh, Paul is discussing being heirs in Christ. So an heir, of course, being one who inherits. Uh, and so he's talking about inheriting uh, from the Lord, uh, from our Father. And picking up in Galatians 4, verse 1, uh, he writes, I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything. But he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. I loved uh, in the worship set this morning how much, and Michael didn't know that this was my sermon as he was planning uh, the the songs, but how much the songs were talking about freedom in Christ and being a son, being a daughter. Uh, I love when God does that. And so I I wanted to take a closer look at this passage specifically and talk about uh, what we see as as that freedom in Christ. What's really interesting is that this passage, to me at least, is is largely about slaves and sons. and I'm going to just take a step back for a moment. It's, it's comparing a slave to a son, which is, to me, a really, really interesting juxtaposition uh, because most of the time when I'm doing a comparison with slavery, it's to freedom, right? Not to sonship. 
Uh, and so I thought that's a really interesting choice of words. So it's about slaves and sons. It's not slavery versus freedom. It's slavery versus sonship. And so I wanted to dig into that a little bit. Uh, and um, I'm, I'm a bit of a Bible nerd, so I'm going to give you guys a few more Greek words. Uh, I would wager that fewer of you speak Greek than do Irish. So if I butcher these ones, I'm, I'm fine. Uh, but first, I want to talk about what a son is. Now, the word son is used throughout the passage. However, uh, and uh, here, here we go, it's weos, I believe is how it's pronounced. Uh, it's generally used of the offspring of men and in a wider sense, a descendant. So while the word in our Bibles most often is translated as son, it really does mean a son or daughter. Uh, so let's make sure that that's really, really clear. This is not something that is exclusive for men. This is something that is exclusive for all of us as sons and daughters of God. Uh, now the word slave is pretty straightforward. It's a slave, bondman, uh, man of servile condition. I believe it's pronounced doulos. And uh, it says that this is someone who's devoted to another to the disregard of one's own interests. Uh, you know, that's, that should be no surprise. Uh, we know what a slave is. We know what slavery is. This is someone with little to no value. Uh, so compared to a son or daughter, I, I start to see why there is that difference. Someone with little or no value compared to someone with ultimate value, at least is how God sees it. Uh, then also, uh, a third word that I want to look at is child. Uh, because it's really interesting that we have two distinct words uh, used in this passage, one for child and one for son or daughter, and the word child is napios, and it means an infant or a little child, a minor, not of age. So, so I know that that's a lot of Greek, and you probably speak about as much Greek as I do, uh, which is none at all. Uh, so uh, I'm going to try and go back and connect these dots for us a little bit in the passage. So in verse 1, we see that the heir, as long as he is a child, this is that uh, infant or little child, not of age, uh, napios, uh, is no different from a slave. That's a doulos. So a child is no different from a slave. So that infant is no different from a slave. Um, though he's the owner of everything, he's under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. I thought it was really interesting that, that these two, a child and a slave, are compared to be very similar yet a child and a son or a daughter are not at all. So uh, children is that word napios again. We're enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. This is the introduction of that word huios, sons, or daughters, son and daughters. And because you are sons and daughters, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts crying, Abba, Father. And by the way, uh, when it's talking about Jesus as Son, that capital S Son, that's the same weos word. Um, I just haven't underlined it because that's speaking about Jesus and not about us necessarily. Um, so you are no longer a slave, uh, which is, again, that doulos, that slave, but a son, weos. And if a son or daughter, then an heir through God. So at the beginning of the passage, it compares a child to a slave that infant to a slave, and it says they're basically the same thing. But at the end of the passage, it says a son or a daughter and a slave are two things that are entirely different. I thought that was really, really interesting because uh, there's this big difference from a child to an adult. This is uh, part of what Pastor Jim was teaching on when he taught through uh, chapter 4 a few, uh, few weeks ago, uh, that, that part of it is just this transition from childhood to adulthood, and that's part of God's process. Uh, and so... If another perspective to look at it, if, if a child and a slave are so similar, it's from a slave 
to an adult or a slave to a son or daughter. So the, the simple way of looking at this, I believe, is just to see that God is growing us up. This is part of his plan. And I believe that maturity means putting the slave behind you. So we all, as children of God, as the adopted children of God, can, uh, can have the inheritance, right? It says the child is an heir, uh, but we, if we are not growing up in God, and I don't mean, you know, take, take Zoe, for instance. Zoe, I'm going to pick on you, bro. Zoe, how old are you? Twelve. That's, you, you turned 13 this year, that's right. All right. Zoe is 12 years old. He's grown up in the church. But we have my friend Jim McLean back here. Jim did not grow up in the church, or at least did not really come to Christ uh, at a young age like Zoe did. Uh, however, they both are growing up in God, right? Even if you come to Christ later in life, you are growing up in Christ. And growing up means putting the slave behind you. And uh, it takes me back to St. Patrick again because St. Patrick put the slave behind him right? He could have been bitter the rest of his life and said, man, I lived as a slave for six years. I'm never going back there again. Curse those people. That's how I might feel, right? If somebody enslaved me, why on earth would I want to go back? But St. Patrick had the maturity as a son of God to put the slave behind him, and because of that, he turned a nation upside down. If you look at the history of Ireland, St. Patrick really did turn the nation on its head. It's, it's amazing how quickly the gospel was adopted over such a, a short time, especially when you look at it in comparison to uh, the, the world at large. It's, it's incredible how fast the majority of Ireland converted to Christianity, and that's because a man knew who he was as God's son, put the slave behind him, and turned a nation upside down because he knew his Abba. So that is the power of knowing your Abba. If you know who God is as your Abba Father, you can do things like St. Patrick. St. Patrick was just a man, right? But God uses ordinary men. God uses ordinary women. And God can do great things if we choose to grow up in him. And I believe that starts by knowing who your Abba is. So I'm going to continue going back through Galatians 4 here and taking a closer look at this passage. Uh, we, we see in verse 5 this concept of receiving adoption as sons. Uh, we're not his natural-born sons, of course. We are the adopted children. I'm an adoptive father myself. Both my kids are adopted. And you know what? It doesn't make a difference. The only difference is that I chose them. They didn't happen by accident. God chose us. We didn't happen by accident. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Now, what's really interesting, too, is not just this uh, in the scripture, seeing the, the child to the son progression, but also the concept of Roman adoption, which is what the audience at the time would have been most familiar with. See, Roman adoption uh, was actually very, very common, and it was very, very common to adopt an adult, not necessarily a child. You could adopt a child, but it was very, very common to adopt an adult. Actually, some of the great emperors of the Roman Empire were adopted by the former emperor, or the previous emperor. It's really, really fascinating. So Roman adoption was a big deal, and Roman adoption oftentimes was about adults. So again, as an adult, you can be adopted as a son or a daughter of God. And I believe this tells us that grown-ups still need an Abba, because it doesn't say Abba in reference to the child. It says, as sons and daughters, we cry out, Abba, Father. 
So grown-ups still need an Abba. We still need a daddy. Now, my dad has, has been gone for a number of years now. He passed away uh, in 2007. Uh, and so I loved him dearly. I uh, had a good relationship with him. But you know what? As, as a young man without my father, I still needed a daddy. I still needed somebody who would come and, and help me to grow up because I was, I was a young guy when I lost my dad. He was, he was only in his 40s when he passed. Um, and so, you know, I, I have been on this journey for a number of years now uh, asking God to be my daddy, asking him to be my Abba. And, you know, not everybody has the same situation that, that I've had where, where you don't have your earthly father anymore, but there are others who have situations where maybe your earthly father's around, but you may not have a good relationship with him. And I know that can be difficult, but I, I promise you that, that your Abba can not only take the place of your earthly father, but, but be so much better than that. Even if you had a great dad, your Abba, your Abba father can do so much more because grown-ups, we still need an Abba. We need somebody to help us and show us the way and help us to mature. Uh, back in Galatians 4, verse 7, so you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. So grown-ups need an Abba, and grown-ups need reminded that we are no longer slaves. Even though we may have moved beyond that phase of life where we don't have everything taken care of for us. You know, my kids right now, they, they don't do anything for themselves, right? As I said, they're 16 months old. Uh, they, they are feeding themselves, all right? I'll, I'll give them that. They are feeding themselves, but not too long ago, they weren't even doing that. That was entirely on me and my wife, right? Uh, but... Even as adults, we need reminded that we're no longer slaves. We're not, we're not dependent upon every, someone else anymore. No one else is in control of our life, but we need reminded of that because sometimes we give that control over to, to something or someone, uh, perhaps unintentionally. So the question is then, what are we slaves to? Uh, and this can be any number of things, but if, if we continue on in Galatians 4, verse 8, it says, Formerly, when you did not know God you were enslaved to those that by nature are not gods. So things that uh, by nature are not gods is, well, pretty much everything, right? Because then there's God and then there's everything else. So insert blank, right? And, and this is the, the thing. Each of us has our own personal journey with God. Each of us have our own things that we have enslaved ourselves to. For a number of years, for me, it was pornography. And that was something that, that I had to work through with God that my wife worked through with me. And uh, Pastor Jim has a similar testimony. I'm sure he'd be happy to share that with you as well. Uh, for some men, it's alcohol. For some people, it is uh, other forms of addiction or it's uh, perhaps loneliness or it's depression or any other number of things because, as I said, it's, it's kind of God and then everything else. And this is, this is the sad part about being a human is that somehow we can make an idol, we can make ourselves a false god out of anything and enslave ourselves to it. Some people do it with money. Some people do it with power. And so it's, it's really insert blank. So if there is something in your life that you've recognized that perhaps uh, you have enslaved yourself to, I want you to take hope because your Abba Father has a way to get you out of it. So Galatians 4.9 says, But now that you've come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world whose slaves you want to be once more? 
these weak and worthless elementary principles of the world, as I uh, was just talking about all these different things that can enslave us, it's, it's our choices, right? It's what we choose to expose ourselves to. And granted, sometimes there are outlying circumstances, things that have happened to us, things that have uh, occurred in our lives, but how we respond to those things is our choice too, right? So our choices can enslave us. And, and I am sorry if you have been through some hurt and because of that are struggling with something and enslaved to something. I am deeply, deeply sorry. But I can also promise you that there is a choice to stay there. And that might be hard to swallow, but there's a choice to stay enslaved to something. And we can choose to instead know our Abba Father because freedom from slavery comes through our Abba. I wholeheartedly believe that. That's a part of my testimony. It was knowing who I am in Christ, right? My identity as a son of God is what helped me to find freedom from pornography. And I believe it's what will help any one of you to find freedom from whatever it is that has been uh, enslaving you. So I want to talk about slaves versus sons and daughters. Uh, because this is, this is what the passage, uh, as I read it, is all about, is this, this difference between a slave and a son or a daughter. And so uh, there's a number of things here. One I want to start with, though, is that a slave is unknown, whereas a son and daughter is known intimately. And I'm not just coming up with these off the top of my head. These, these are scriptural. These are founded in God's word. So a slave is unknown. Nobody, nobody knows, nobody cares, honestly, right? Certainly not the person who has enslaved them. If they did, why would they have enslaved them? However, a son and a daughter, they are known intimately. Uh, Psalm 139, it's a very famous passage. For you formed me, uh, you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. So God knew you before you were formed in the womb, which is why as a church we take the position of, of pro-life, right? And, and we're not ashamed to talk about that from the platform. We believe that God gives life as I look at this scripture, I was about to say at conception, it's before conception, right? Before I was formed in my mother's womb, you knew me. So God knows us deeply. He knows every day that was written for us. And he, he's got a plan for us. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So what this tells me is that, that I am known deeply. And, and if, if you ask, how does it help that I am known? The thing that I see here is that when I am unsure of myself, God isn't. I don't know if you have ever experienced something, I, I certainly have, where you just, you're not sure if you can do it. You're not sure if you can make it. You're not sure if you should go this way or that way. God always knows. God always knows if you can do it. And I believe he'll tell you if you can do it. My Abba tells me, who I am. So I believe that's, that's one of the first distinctions uh, between a slave and a son and daughter is that our Abba can tell us who we are because he knows us intimately. And by the way, this is not an exhaustive list of everything uh, that's different between slaves and sons and daughters, uh, but just, just a few things that I felt were important to highlight. Uh, the next one is that a slave is sacrificed, whereas sons and daughters are sacrificed 
for. And that's, that's a small little word, but it makes a world of difference. Slaves are sacrificed, right? You hear about, uh, you know, in, in, I'm going to say the Far East, but honestly, this happens here in our own nation where children are put into slavery, right? They're sacrificed. There's, there's children in slavery for organ harvesting. It's disgusting. They are sacrificed. There's children that are in slavery uh, because uh, they are being pimped out. They are being sacrificed. But our Abba Father sacrificed for us. He did not sacrifice us. He sacrificed for us. Speaking of Jesus in Isaiah 53, starting in verse 3, it says, He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him that is laid on Jesus the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, and as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people? And they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death, although he had done no violence, and there was no deceit in his mouth. Jesus suffered the absolute worst thing that can be suffered, and he didn't deserve any of it. If we look at Scripture, we, we understand that we as sinners, we deserve death and punishment. But Jesus took all of that upon himself. So this tells me that my Abba sacrificed his son for me, even knowing I could never live up to it. When we look back in that passage, it talks about each of us turning to our own way. God knew that he would sacrifice Jesus and that some of us would still say, no, I'm going back. I'm going back to the slavery. But God did it anyways. That's how much he sacrificed for us. The next item is, is that a slave is unloved. A son and daughter is loved deeply. In Romans 8, verse 35, uh, Paul writes, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword. As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. So real quickly here, this is very similar to what we just read uh, about what happened to Jesus, but the difference is we, we're not talking about our sacrifice, or his, his sacrifice, or our sacrifice here. We're talking about, about just the reality of following Jesus is that, yes, there, there may be trouble, but... In all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Elsewhere in Scripture, it talks about the one that can kill the body but not the spirit, right? Something may happen to our bodies. We may endure hardship, but we will never be separated from God's love. 
and God has created us as eternal beings so that even if, even if life here on this earth is terrible and we do suffer, we look forward to eternity with him and we are not separated from his love. So hardship will come, but my Abba will never stop loving me. Nothing can separate me from his love. I am loved deeply as a son. You are loved deeply as a son and as a daughter. Uh, a slave is unheard. A son and a daughter is heard. Now, this is one that I was thinking of with my own children, and it's something that, I, that I'm trying to get better at. They, they don't speak English yet. They do speak. Can't always understand them, though. Um, but, uh, but I am trying to hear them better. And our Abba Father hears us so, so well. Uh, in Psalm 18 the psalmist writes, The cords of death encompassed me. The torrents of destruction assailed me. The cords of Sheol, that's the grave, entangled me. The snares of death confronted me. So he's going through a rough spot here. What does he do? In my distress, I called upon the Lord. To my God, I cried for help. From his temple, he heard my voice. And my cry to him reached his ears. He hears it. And then what does he do? Then the earth reeled and rocked. The foundations also of the mountains trembled and quaked because he was angry. Smoke went up from his nostrils and devouring fire from his mouth. Glowing coals flamed forth from him. He bowed the heavens and came down. Thick darkness was under his feet. He rode on a cherub and flew. He came swiftly on the wings of the wind. He made darkness his covering, his canopy around him. Thick clouds dark with water. Out of the brightness before him, hailstones and coals of fire broke through his clouds. So the psalmist cries out, he's in distress, he cries out, God shows up. And I can say, my daddy can whip your daddy, right? I mean, can you imagine crying out to your father and him being like that? I've, I've, I love it when Pastor Jim uh, talks about his own experiences as a father. He, he is someone I look up to as a father. And I remember uh, he was talking once about somebody who was picking on Zoe. And Pastor Jim shows up at Zoe's school and says, tell, tell me who it was. Who was it that was picking on you? Now, obviously, he's not going to go beat down a six-year-old, um, but, but he's going to make sure that nobody's picking on his boy, right? My daddy can whip your daddy. My Abba hears me, and he responds. He doesn't just, just hear me and say, oh, that's nice. He acts. And if we believe what that psalm says, he acts fiercely. My Abba hears me, and he responds. So slaves versus sons and daughters. Slaves are unknown. They are sacrificed. They are unloved. They are unheard. Sons and daughters are known intimately, sacrificed for, loved deeply, and heard. And there's one more item here. Slaves are punished, and sons and daughters are disciplined. Now, I, I intentionally chose those words. They're very similar, but I believe there's a big distinction between the two. Because Discipline makes a disciple. Disciple is the root word of discipline, right? Disciple is what Jesus called his followers. And so my Abba Father wants to discipline me, not punish me. Punishment may come without any reason, right? A slave can be beaten for no good reason. And that's not what my father does. He is training me. Now, one of my, my favorite verses that I've used in kids' ministry for a number of years is Proverbs 22.6. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. So what that means for, for parents of young children like myself, we can have faith that if we train our children in the way they should go, even when they're old, they will not depart from it. 
for those of you who have trained up your children in the way they should go, you can trust that even when they're old, they will not depart from it. Uh, I'm going to share real quickly my friend Jim McLean and his story with his son Charles. Uh, Charles was, was raised, at least as part of his younger life, to know God. And then Charles made some, some really poor decisions, but later in life, Charles returned to God. And I believe it's because God is faithful. And I know that Jim and Brenda prayed for him for years and years and years, and God is faithful. And he said, even when he's old, he will not depart from it. So there may be a season where that child goes and does some things, maybe enslaves themselves to things that they shouldn't. But I do believe that God is faithful, and he will bring that child back. And for those of us who have young children like myself, this is just a promise, right? If I invest in Josiah and Keturah right now, if I show them the way they should go, when they're old, they won't depart from it. I can trust that. I can believe it. I have seen it lived out. I also want to talk about uh, Hebrews uh, 12, verse 4. Uh, In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons and as daughters? My son, my daughter, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son and every daughter whom he receives. So if you are being disciplined, look at it as God helping you to to grow because he loves you. Continuing on in the passage, it says it is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons and as daughters. For what son, what daughter is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time, as it seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So I believe we have to ask ourselves, am I willing to let God's discipline train me? Because this is what he's trying to do. He's not trying to punish us just for the sake of punishing us. He's trying to discipline us so that we can be trained in righteousness. My Abba trains me in righteousness. So again, not an exhaustive list, but this is what I believe distinguishes a slave from a son or a daughter. And as I, I look at this list, uh, again, I, I look at it myself as a father, right? And my Abba is the kind of daddy that I want to be. I want to know my children intimately. I want to know them, be able to speak truth into their life, even when they're unsure of themselves. I want to sacrifice for my children. I want to, to put their needs before my own. <coughs> Excuse me. I want to love them deeply. I want to hear them. And I want to discipline them, not because I'm looking to punish them, but because I want them to grow up in righteousness. I want them to have an even better relationship with God than I do. My mom, uh, I, I was raised in the church, and my mom likes to say that uh, because uh, you know, she and my dad were Christians and they raised us in the church, that her grandchildren ought to glow in the dark. Uh, so I've yet to see that happen, but I'll let you know if it does. Uh, But I I do truly believe that if I train my children, if I try to be this kind of daddy, that they will have an even better relationship with God than I do. So my Abba is the kind of daddy I want to be. 
Now, I do want to address again the earthly fathers because the hard part is that as an earthly father, it's really hard to live up to that list. I mean, I, I say that that's the kind of daddy I want to be, but it's hard. I am selfish, right? Like, I don't want to be woken up in the middle of the night. You don't need a diaper change. Go back to bed, right? That's, but that's not how it works. Maybe that's how it works in your home. If it is, then let me know your secret. But, uh, but as an earthly father, it's hard, right? I have to make constant choices to, to not be that selfish. Um, and, and again, you may have had an earthly father that, that was selfish, right? That did not choose to make those sacrifices for you, that did not choose to love you deeply or to know you intimately. Uh, and so if that's the case, let me say that we, we have to give our fathers some grace because we can't live up to that standard either. But I do believe that all earthly fathers, myself, all the other fathers in the room, all of our fathers who either were great fathers or maybe not so great fathers, all of us earthly fathers need to look to our Abba because it is in knowing him that we can become better fathers, that we can become better men, better parents. And it's not just for men. I earlier addressed men and women and all of us. And looking at this list again, men, maybe, maybe you aren't a father, but can you do these things for others, whether they are your children or not? Can you know them intimately? Can you sacrifice for them? Can you love them deeply? Can you hear them? And can you bring discipline as is appropriate to help train them in righteousness? Women, can you pray this way for, for your husband, your future husband, or, or your current husband that, that you already have? that they would be this kind of individual. And this is not exclusive to, to fathers. Women, I believe that we are all called to live up to this as well, to, to know our children intimately, to know our father intimately, to, be, to sacrifice for, to love deeply, to hear, and to discipline. And again, for all of us, this is who our Heavenly Father is. If we know these things of him, if we try to reach him in this way, then I believe that, that it can change our lives. So I believe this is something that we should pray. We should pray this way. We should pray that we would know, uh, that we would know intimately, that we would love deeply, that we would hear, that we would receive the discipline, and we would pray to live like the son and the daughter, not like the slave. So we don't want column A. We want column B. We, we want this. I, unless, if, if you're happy living in slavery, then, man, I don't know what to tell you. That sucks. Uh, but I believe that God brings freedom. Now, the thing that occurs to me with all of this is that all of these things that represent slaves versus sons and daughters are about our perception versus the truth. Because our perception may be that the world is one way, that things are one way, that I am a certain way. But the truth comes from our Heavenly Father, from our Abba. He is the one who speaks to me when I don't believe in myself. He is the one who tells me who I am. He tells me how he loves me. He hears me. He reaches out to me. So the challenge then is that we cannot live with our perception. We have to trust in the truth. We have to trust in God's Word. So don't look to your friends, don't look to your family, don't look to the news or social media or anything else to tell you who you are. Look to the Word of God. Look to the Word of God. That is where the truth is found. Our perceptions can be so messed up. We can, we can think we are one way, that we belong a certain way or, or something like that, but the truth is that God loves us deeply. 
He has plans for us. He has a hope and a future for us. So my question for you is, who are you acting like of these two options? How do you see yourself? Do you see yourself as a slave or as a son or a daughter? Do you see yourself as unknown, as unloved, as unheard? Or do you know that you are known intimately, that you are loved deeply, that you are heard? And I I think that this is not like a a knee-jerk reaction. I'm not expecting everybody to have an immediate answer, but I, I would encourage you to spend some time thinking about this. How do you see yourself? Do you believe your Abba is who he says he is? Do you believe that these things that he says are true? Do you believe you are who your Abba says you are? I'd encourage you to pray right now. We, uh, in wrapping up here, we're going to have some uh, prayer teams at the back of uh, the sanctuary here. And I'd encourage you to take a moment to pray with them. You're also welcome to pray by yourself in your seat. Uh, but I, I believe that, that prayer is our way to connect with our Abba Father, one of our ways. We could also connect to Him through Scripture, uh, but prayer is a powerful, power, powerful way to connect with Him. If, if you don't already have a relationship with Jesus, then I'd encourage you, pray to know your Abba. I would love to pray that prayer with you today. This is your opportunity to know a Father who will never leave you, never forsake you. If you already know who your Abba is, then pray that you'd live like the son and the daughter and not the slave. Because I'll tell you, I grew up in the church. I was raised by pastors, right? I'm a PK, for those of you that know the lingo. And I had enslaved myself to pornography for years in the church. I was not living like a son. I was living like a slave. So if you're struggling with something, whether you want to share that or not, somebody's willing to pray with you today so that you can stop living like the slave and start living like a son or a daughter. So I'm going to just close us in prayer here again. Please take this opportunity to pray with our prayer and ministry teams. Uh, Lord Jesus, thank you so much that you do love us. Abba Father, thank you that you are a good daddy. Thank you that you love us deeply. Thank you that you hear us, that you bring appropriate discipline. Thank you that you speak to us who we are. Lord, I ask that you'd stir the hearts of everyone in this room, uh, either to know you better or to to be released from the slavery that, that we've enslaved ourselves to. Lord, we want more of you. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So please, go know your Abba and go change your world.